Okay, Friday, bloody Friday. It's not a swear word. It's a deep time, I think. And uh, it's a time of incredible introspection, and it's a time where we celebrate the sacrifice of Christ. And it's a time when I saw people walking in here in wheelchairs or driving in here in wheelchairs and some on crutches. And it's a time to go back to the Bible and say, why did you die, Jesus? Why did you die? Who did you die for, Lord God? And I know it's for every single person in this room and it's for every single person in the overflow room and it's for every single person that never came to church today. But Lord God, there's got to be deeper relevance to why you died and we should be living in more freedom of the price that you paid at the cross if we understand fully the Bible that you wrote to us. And sometimes we've been in church for so long and we know the story so well that we don't actually delve into the power, as Francis Chan so wonderfully said to us, a all-consuming fire. A all-consuming fire. I don't know if there's a lady here today, but she was there last week. And I've been speaking with her and her, her husband got saved just before he died. And she kept saying to me, how does God take away the sins that are so deep from my life. How does a holy God reconcile with me such a dreadful sinner? And last week when she walked to the front, she said, as I walked to the front, it was as if the consuming fire of God just sucked up my sins and burnt them all away. And when I walked out of that place, I walked out free. Yeah. Friends, when we preach the cross properly, when we preach the cross properly, when we preach the sacrificial death of Christ properly, it can get into the very dark and deep places of our hearts. And we've got to speak to every person in a wheelchair here today and say, you're not confined to that for the rest of your life. We've got to trust that there will be a move of God in line with the price that he paid on the cross where we will see the manifest outpoured power of God in the life of the local church. Amen. And so I want to share with you, friends, seven places today, seven places where the blood of Jesus was shed, seven places. And I want you to open your hearts, and I don't care if you've been on psychological medicine for 30 years. There was a time in my life, friends, when I had to go on to psychological medicine. I'm not in any way demeaning it, but I want to say to you, I believe God's power is present on Good Friday to heal. It's present to heal. Amen? Yes. I sit with people. The people who come into my office have been damaged by their upbringing and by experiences and by abuse. I sat this week with a lady whose life has been prostitution. And then I started to go through the scriptures with the prostitutes that God used. And he said, how come God used so many prostitutes? In the Bible, I said, because he knew that you'd be sitting with me today, man. And he had to have a reference for you that somehow we could get to your story and start to build a redemption story around it. He said, you, do you really think God wrote that in the Bible for me? I said, yes, man, just for you. And I don't know where you are or where you've been or what you've done, but I want to tell you, if you read the Bible enough, you will find your story there and the redemption around it. Amen. So turn me please to Luke chapter 22, seven places where Jesus shed his blood. Luke 22, you don't even have to take notes, you can't take notes to me. 
Ek dink daar by die NG gaan hulle bykie sikkel met my. You can't take notes in English, imagine when I preach in Afrikaans. Jesus went out as usual, verse 39, to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and he prayed. Father, say Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Say take it from me. Yet not my will but yours be done. Let's say it again. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Yet not my will, but yours be done. The greatest fight of Christianity, friends, is when my will and God's will come into conflict. I want you to draw a little circle. And inside of the circle, put myself there, King Rory. And because he's about to get inaugurated, King Charles. And then King Money. And then King Power. And then King and say, where is there room for King Jesus? Where is the room for King Jesus with King Rory and King Power and King Money and King Charles? Where's the room? And King Hurt and King My Father Left Me and King all these things that have power. Where's the room? An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Why? Why did the angel strengthen him? Well, it's very simple, because he was weak. Because he was wrestling. Because his will and the Father's will were fighting one another. And when we fight with the Father's will, it's exhausting. And our lives go out of sync. And we have all sorts of diseases like yuppie flu. And all sorts of diseases like burnout. Because the will of man and the will of God are fighting. And when the wills of God and will of man fight, we become sick and we get sore and we become broken and we get tired. And being in anguish, say anguish. Why is he in anguish? Because he has got a will. And he knows, friends, you remember this, this in the garden of Gethsemane, There was a garden once where Adam was there and Adam could not say no to sin. And when he said yes to sin, he gave the authority of man up until today to the enemy. And now there's another garden and there's another fight and he has got to win the the war that Adam lost. Jesus, the new Adam, has got to win that war so that we can stop the will of the man and stop the will of the devil having control over Pretoria and over your life. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood. Say blood. Falling to the ground. The first place in Easter where the blood was spilt was when Jesus, after Adam had said no to the will of God, Jesus said no to the self of man. And his blood went into the ground and he won back the power over your will. I must watch porno. I must smoke dacha. Friends, we are not under the power of our will. On Easter Friday, it was won back for us in the ground where Jesus sweat his blood. 
We do not get shaken around by the whims and fancies of man. We do not get shaken around by the authority systems of this world. We do not get shaken around by a boss who is unfair on us, friends, because our will is not under the authority of man. Our will is not under the authority of the devil. Our will is under the authority of God, bought for us in the Garden of Eden. We do not have to live in cyclical patterns of sin. We do not have to live in cyclical patterns of sin, be they cyclical patterns of depression, be they cyclical patterns of drunkenness. We do not have to live in them, friends, because the power of the will has been won back by Christ on Easter Friday. Let's read Isaiah 53 in the NIV 84 version, and then we'll read it in the New King James Version. Why? Just for you old guys. Surely, say surely. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Say carried. He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Say healed. Friends, I don't know if this is true, but some of the theologians, I don't even know if they're true. They say there are 39 root diseases in the world. Every disease comes from a root. 39 root diseases Jesus was whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails with glass and stones and metal. And every time he got whipped, they pulled pieces of flesh. The Bible says that he was broken by his stripes or by his wounds, we are healed. He was broken so that we could be healed. And his blood was shed so that our diseases could be healed. And so friends, not only did he buy our will back, but he bought our health back. By his wounds we have been healed. He said, Rory, where is this in the New Testament? You're going to have a look at Matthew chapter 8. He heals the centurion's son. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. There's healing taking all place. And they quote Isaiah 53. He carried our diseases and our sicknesses by his stripes. Say, by his stripes. stripes. We are healed. healed. Friends, I, I lived with a grandfather who was an Anglican priest in Pretoria. The Reverend Don Martin, he had a healing ministry. He was a spirit-filled Anglican minister. And I remember sitting in Casterbridge in White River. Some of you know where Casterbridge is. As you go through White River, before you go to the Numbi Gate, it's not wise because it's dangerous. You go straight and you go to the Kruger Gate. Jelle Vietmos, ne? Jelle spar jou jelle leven vir die jelle jaar om bykie Kruger toe gegaan. Ek wil jelle weis, jy kan Kruger in jou hart kry. I'm trying to show you that you can garden your heart. You don't have to spend your whole life trying to save to the Kruger to go to the garden. You can get the garden in your heart. But I was sitting at Casterbridge with my Bible open and a notepad and there was an old couple sitting next door to me and the lady said to me, sorry son, it's many years ago. (laughs) She said, sorry son, strange question to ask you are you Don Martin's grandson? (coughs) 
And I said, ma'am, it's a very strange question to ask, but yes, I am Don Martin's grandson. I said, how do you know that? She said, I don't know. God told me. And she said, son, I was healed under your grandpa's ministry. And when I was a young Christian, before all the stuff got into my head, I used to lay hands on the sick. And the sick used to recover. I remember my first missionary trip I did to Veltafrieden Park. And you know I love animals. And the cat came in and jumped on my bed and I gave it a size 13. (laughs) Never came in my room again. But the owner of the house, his back was like this. And I was 22 years old, and I got up in the morning and I said, the Jesus that I serve, the Jesus that I read about in the Bible, it says, by his stripes I have been healed. I said, sir, I want to lay hands on your back. I put my hand on his back. I felt the fire of God go through my hand, and he instantly stood up. I'm sorry for all you orthopedic surgeons. I'm going to bankrupt you. (laughs) That's what happened in the Bible, friends. They preached healing so much that people went out of business. Friends, we are not tapping into what happened on Good Friday. Jesus died so that we could be healed. I'm the product. My grandfather, you know the story, some of you, some of you don't. But I had meningitis. I was lying in hospital. I was in a coma. I had a lumbar puncture. And my grandfather came and laid hands on me when I was five years old. And I left the hospital the next day with not a trace of meningitis. But we had put his hands. His hands had burnt my face. I remember praying for my dad. He was going through a tough time. I went to fast and pray in the mountains. I do believe in fasting. I went to the mountains to fast and pray for him. I came back. I parked my car. walked into Glenridge Church. And a lady that I've never seen before, never seen again, she said, get a witness. She came to me and she said, you've been in the mountains praying for your father. I said, yes, I have. She said, within five years of today's date, you'll be in full-time ministry. I believe we're all in full-time ministry. But in my understanding at that time, it meant this. said, in five years of today's day, you'll be in full-time ministry. You'll preach to thousands of people, and God's going to use your hands to heal the sick. Just put your hands out like this. And say, God, by your stripes, by your wounds, we are healed. Please use these hands. In Pretoria, in my workplace, with the sick people here, where we lay hands on the sick, they will be well. You paid it on Easter Friday. We receive it on Easter Friday. In the King James Version of Isaiah 53, it says this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. Say bruised. Bruised. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus bled in the garden to win back our will. Jesus bled after he had been whipped to buy our healing. Jesus was bruised. Say bruised. I don't know what the disease is, but a little while ago I was down in another province in the Cape and I had a meeting with a whole group of leaders just in the last two weeks. I had a meeting with a whole group of leaders and one couple was very quiet. And afterwards everybody left and my car was parked on the pavement 
and we went outside and they came out. I said, everything all right? They said, everything's all right. And I got in my car and I wind, wind down the window. I said, is everything all right? They said, everything's all right. And I just thought, that's not all right. So I opened my car door and I said, how are your children? And they just started to weep. I said, what's wrong? They said, our daughter has a genetic disorder which has got ulcerated something. I don't know what it, the, the, the disease is. She's got ulcers all around her organs. And the mum just started to cry, and I just started to cry. And I thought, oh, God, how do you get there? How do you get inside there? And, and I just remembered in the King James Bible, the Bible says, I was bruised. I was bruised. You know what a bruise is, friends? A bruise is when the blood starts, when your capillaries break inside you. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was beaten. Friends, the Bible says in Isaiah 52, he was beaten senseless where he couldn't be recognized as a man. So everything was beaten. He was beaten black and blue. Say black and blue. And you know what that black and blue is, friends? It is not just the open wound that he had on his back, but the black and blue is an internal bleeding that can eventually get into the ulcerated whatever it is or whatever it is that is inside of you. The internal blood of Christ can get to it in Jesus' name. So you don't have to live with that thing inside of you for the rest of your life. That thing that's wounded your heart, that thing that's wounded your liver, the thing that's wounded you deep inside. And when people come to my office and they say, I feel pain so deep inside. And I want to say, my Savior was bruised so deep inside. And I pray, Jesus, on this Good Friday, that those who are suffering from internal pain of any kind, I don't want to put a picture of my son up here, but he's got a black eye like this because somebody's knee hit it. And I looked at that eye and I thought, I wonder if there's structural damage, but I looked at that eye and I thought, everything is broken around his eye. All the capillaries, all the blood things are broken around his eye. And it goes black and blue and then it'll go yellow and green. And I think for any of you whose eyes have seen things you should not have seen, that God can heal you from the inside of your eye to the back of your eye. Do you know it says in John 19, it says they struck him. They struck him. Imagine that, eh? Imagine Jesus taking a full punch in the mouth. And his lips swollen like this. And his blood vessels inside completely broken. For every word that you wished you never said. Jesus can reverse blood that thing all the way back to your back of your lips. To the back of your tongue. To the back of your throat. Down your throat into your heart. And this morning you can be internally healed on Good Friday. I just want to weep. Friday, bloody Friday. My God, may we not waste your blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power Amen. in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There is power, 
power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Do you believe that, friends? Do you believe that? When, when I look around and I see some of your ladies whose husbands have left you, I can just see some people who have been abandoned, who have been left, whose marriages have broken. Do you believe that the bruise of Christ can get to the bottom of the bruise of your heart? The internal bleeding of Jesus can get to the pain at the bottom of your heart. Let's read John 19 quickly. Are you with me? Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. You can just read that. That's 39 unbelievably massive smacks to his body. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Yo, I've read that scripture over and over again. I think, Lord, I wonder how many times I've smacked you in the face, Jesus. Number four, he wins back our mind. They stuck the thorns into his head. And friends, most of us, the battle is in the mind, is it not? You know this, I don't drink, and there are many reasons why I don't drink. They're not religious reasons. But one of my kids said to me, he said, Dad, I don't have the same convictions about alcohol as you do. He said, but I want to drink. I said, okay, boy, what does that mean? He said, Dad, will you take me on a journey of alcohol? I said, okay, boy, why do you want to drink? He said, hey, Dad, I don't have anything against it. So I said, boy, do you want to drink to socialize, or do you want to drink to get drunk? He said, no, Dad, I don't want to drink to get drunk. I want to drink to socialize. I think God designed alcohol. I said, oh, I also believe. I believe God designed alcohol. I said, but I think the enemy has taken it and caused drunkenness. He said, oh, Dad, I agree with you, but can I still go on a journey? I said, fine. I said, how are we going to do this? Boy, he said, well, should we set a limit? I said, okay. What do you think the limit is? He said, Dad, I'm a big guy. I think two beers is the limit. I said, that's great. So then he'll SMS me, so I'm going out, and then SMS me back. He said, but that's mothering, Rory. I said, no, it's not mothering. It's fathering. Fathering, not smothering him. I'm taking him on a journey, teaching him how to be a man. And then he SMS me and he say, hey, I'm back, Dad. I say, 100%. And four weeks ago on Sunday, I get an SMS at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, when I preach, I, I don't sleep very well. And, and even after all these years, I wake up on a Sunday and my tummy's turned. Even this morning, my tummy's turned and, and I'm sweating because I'm nervous to preach. Now, I've already been doing it. No, friends, if God doesn't preach, then what I say is nothing. It's rubbish. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, I get an SMS on my phone, Uber to Amshlonga at 3 in the morning. And then what starts racing? My heart? No, my mind. My mind starts racing. Then I think, flipping heck, three o'clock in the morning, I'm stronger. 
and I check on his phone. Last time on the phone, 10 o'clock. So I phone, and I phone, and I phone, like a mother. And I phone, <laughs> and I phone, and I phone, like a grandmother. <laughs> and I phone, and I phone, and I phone, like a stepmother. Six times I phone, no answer. Five to nine. How's it, Dad? Hey, buddy, you're right. You're hundreds, and you? I'm flipping absolutely exhausted, Shana. I haven't slept since three o'clock. Where the heck have you been? Hey, I've been sleeping, hey, Dad. And I said, an Uber? He said, no, I needed to get to church by nine, so I booked my Uber last night at 10, and, and then I went to bed, but Uber decided to send it through at three o'clock in the morning while he was fast asleep because he wanted to get to church, and I'm like, my mind is like, woo! Get your mind under control. Jesus got thorns in his head so that we can get our thoughts under control. Because when you lie in bed at night and your thoughts run, the devil jumps on those thoughts and by the end of it, most of what you think never comes to pass. And all those things your teachers told you about being stupid and about being dyslexic and about not being able to read, the blood of Jesus goes into his head. And he fixes it. And he gets our mind under control. He gets our mind under authority. Stop thinking devil thoughts. Stop thinking the worst of every situation. Stop thinking the worst about other people. Stop thinking the worst and get God to clean your mind on Easter Friday. His hands, obviously, friends, I said it. If you say to somebody as guilty as, he's got blood on his, say it, he's got blood on his hands. So Jesus got blood on his hands for us who have got blood on our hands. And when his hand shakes my hand, then my blood disappears and his blood takes over. Friends, my hand, I hand my hand out to you. You and I have got nothing in common except you have the blood of Jesus on your hand and I have the blood of Jesus on my hand. And it doesn't matter what our past does. When we shake hands, there's a covenant that happens in this handshake, my friend. That's why we can sit together, English and Afrikaans, young and old, black and white, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, and we can shake one another's hands because the blood that made us guilty has been washed away. Most of us have sinned with our hands. Most sexual sin takes place with your hands. Most financial stuff takes place with your hands. And his hands were pierced on Easter Friday and the blood started to run so that your hands can become clean. I remember one of my missionary trips, I went up to Gazankulu. We had a guy with OCD. I didn't know what OCD was, but we wanted to leave and they said, but Simon's not here. And I said, where's Simon? And the guy said, go and find Simon. So I went into Ladysmith. There's a shell garage. I went into Ladysmith, and Simon was at the basin, and he was washing his hands. And I said, Simon, we've got to go, China. And so I got back in the car, and we waited five minutes, and Simon still wasn't there. So I raced back, and I found Simon. I said, what are you doing, Simon? And he was still washing his hands. That's when I realized OCD. OCD can't get rid of the dirt. Only Jesus can on Easter Friday. And his feet. And for time's sake, let's read John chapter 19 and we finished. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified. 
Friends, the way on, on, on Friday, because you had to go and have a, a Passover meal, is that you wanted them to die quicker, and crucifixion was such that if you broke their legs, they had nothing, because eventually you would, you, you would push up to hold yourself by your hands and your feet, and if they broke your feet, then your whole frame would go, and then you would die quicker. They came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, I wonder why. The theologians say he never died of crucifixion, he died of a broken heart. He died quickly. When his father disowned him and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned away from me? They reckon when his father rejected him so that he could accept us, his heart broke. They found that he already dead and he did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing out a sudden flow of blood and water. Say blood and water. Blood and water. You know what the Bible says? Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. You're brokenhearted this morning? You don't know what your future holds? You've been rejected? You've been placed on hold. You've been overlooked. You've not been promoted. You've been retrenched. You're brokenhearted. Welcome to Good Friday. Because on Good Friday, friends, they stuck the sword in here. And out came blood and? Say it. One saves me. One? One cleans me. One saves me. One cleans me. Where? Right close to his heart. Where are you? He's close to the brokenhearted. On Easter Friday, Friday, bloody Friday, when the blood was spilt, he won our will back to God. He won our sickness and gave us healing. He ministered to the wounds deep inside of our heart through bruising and inner bleeding. He won back our thoughts. He won back our hands, he won back our feet, and he won back our hearts with blood and water. Friday, bloody Friday, is called Good Friday because that's good what he did. Let's pray. Friday is good, but Sunday is coming. Friday is good, but Sunday is coming. But we've got to stop on Friday and say, Lord God, Why? Why, Lord God, why? Why did you die, Lord God? Why did you die such a brutal, horrible death? Because you knew that sitting in here this morning would be people that have experienced brutal, horrible things. You knew that there'd be people here that have been subject to gender-based violence, subject to internal bleeding, subject to internal diseases, subject, Lord God, to rejection, Subject to dirtiness, subject to sins that committed with their hands and their feet. Out of your side flowed blood and water. I pray that every man and woman and child would walk out of this building today from this auditorium and the overflow room. They would know that they are saved and they would know that they are clean. That's what happened on Easter Friday. Your blood and your water poured out over every single person, Lord God. And I pray now, Lord God, there was a boy who worshipped with us last week in Enchia Moraleta. 
He went to Paul Boys High School. He was sitting in the front row worshiping together. The eighth man, Lord God, he got injured on Friday. He had a brain operation. He's lying in a coma in hospital. And I pray on this Friday, Lord God, that boy who worshiped with us, that your blood would touch him. And we say, by your stripes, he be healed, Lord God. By your stripes, he be healed, Lord God. And Lord God, I walk in and out of confidence with healing. But I know this on Good Friday, Lord God, that you have caused inside of your crucifixion the power of healing to flow. And I pray now, Lord God, not small prayers, heal coughs and colds. I pray big prayers, Lord God. Would you heal cancers and AIDS? Would you heal blood disorders, Lord God, as your blood came, Father? There's more power in your blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. I'm talking about brain damage. I'm talking about immune deficiencies, Father God. I'm asking, Lord God, I'm praying for our brothers and sisters in wheelchairs, Lord God. You say, oh, Rory, oh, yes. I want to take on the system, Lord God, of some kind of comfy Christianity, Lord God, and trust you that what you write in the Bible is true, and there will be a day, and it might as well be today, Lord God. That we believe and see that you are good. Take your hands if you don't mind and put them on your head. And say, Lord, you've won back my mind. Put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord, you've won back my heart and my will your hands out. Say, Lord, you've won back my hands. Put your hands on your tummy. Say, Lord, you've won back my inner self. Put your hands on your feet. Say, Lord, you've won back my feet. This is not a swear word. Just say this, Friday, bloody Friday, the day that Jesus shed his blood for you, for you. Amen. God bless you.